0: Up from work podcast. My name My is Dave Swillam. Let's get ready to hustle. Welcome back to the Waking Up from Work podcast. You're listening to episode 145 of the show tonight. This is where we get to work, making work a passion, living creative full-time. If you're new to the show, this is where we interview artists, creatives, entrepreneurs, and people living alternative lives going after what they want to do instead of what it feels like you have to do sometimes. So we're about doing these interviews, doing solo episodes all and supporting people going after what they want to do In a lot of different ways, in hopes that we can kind of support you with either you're already doing something and just keeping a conversation rolling and giving you ideas, or, uh, you know, you haven't taken the leap, you haven't gone after something yet that you've been dying to do and and maybe give you a little push to do it. So tonight on the show is going to be a cool mix up in terms of what we have here for a business or a brand coming in than some of our guests that we've had recently. you know, We just did a, a bunch of episodes for people who are listening chronologically podcast-wise. We just had a bunch of music stuff that we're talking on current music industry. We're going to switch it right up on you right now and talk about brick and mortar. I've got Danny Dubena. Nailed it. Okay, awesome. Okay, <laughs> I got it. I'm sorry, <laughs> i yeah. All right, so we got Danny Dubena from Z&Z Middle Eastern Food Co. coming out of the DC area where we've gotten a lot of people a, listening to us and hanging out there, but also a lot of crew were gathering here. We've got like a bunch of guests there. So I guess DC has got a uh, a spot for talent out there. So I haven't spent a lot of time there, but there's some good people hanging in DC. So we've got Danny here, who is the owner and founder. Are you, are you the owner and founder soul or are you partnered Co- up? Co-founder, brother, family run business, man. Everyone's involved. I love it, man. Yeah, I love it. And, and Danny's going to go through some of his background here, but like reading... Your story is like super, super inspirational, man. I'm, I'm pumped up to hear more about what you're up to. Thank you. i happy to share it with people. Yeah. So Danny, for people that don't know your brand, don't know what some of that might entail, do you want to just share people like, you know, what is, what is Z&Z? How did that happen? And, and I know you've got some like recent things that you're amped up onto to talk about where you've gone now. Like any any good business owner, I can see that you're just riding that train and seeing what you're supposed to be at next and, and doing it. So love to love to set the stage. Oh yeah, always. So
1: Z&Z is an Arab American family food brand. We're focused on kind of the, the best foods and flavors of the Middle East and making them really fun and exciting for everyone to experience. It's been, you know, almost five years since we first got our start. It was just kind of a, a side hustle, a passion project. At first, we just did for fun, nights and weekends, untuck the tie, run to, to the farmer's market stand when we first started. And, uh, it's just slowly and, and surely growing into what it is today. Uh, I still sometimes in disbelief that it's a full fledged business. We just opened our first brick and mortar this past October. So cool. Yeah, we have you know a strong retail presence with Whole Foods in the Mid-Atlantic region, strong online through our website and, and Amazon. And then we do events, all sorts of other great stuff. So so it's pretty crazy what's happened when you can start just try something.
0: That's crazy, man. In five years, that's such a big statement to say all of the things that you just said. But it's also one of those things where I'm sure it's just like... like I think I just did a, a post today where it's like, you can't get better at something unless you start doing it. And it's like... You had no idea, probably, what this was going to turn out to be. And then you just came to the market with something that, you know, looking through your bio, it seems like you just, I, I feel like I, I read it on there. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you were talking about like you just weren't finding what you wanted to find. Like you're like, you're like, where are these ingredients so that I can make this food? You know, coming from a, a family immigrating here in the 80s, you're like, where is this stuff and you just weren't finding it so you're like i'm going to bring it because people want that and we should have it you know
1: yeah and that was absolutely what it was you know i mean growing up so both of my brothers are are business majors i was took a little bit more of a winding path but we were always involved in different kind of entrepreneurial projects so it was always like here's a problem how can we make this better or what's solution and we also grew up around food my dad's restaurant so the two kind of collided between the culture aspect and that, that business side We said. You know, these are foods we love to get. We're always getting them. Either relatives will shuffle them over, or whatever. But they're impossible to find good versions of here. Most people at that time didn't even know what it was, which we thought was a shame. You know, I said, "Let's let's get this stuff." How people are are missing out on these amazing flavors and and the amazing meaning behind all these products. So so we just got started
0: one one day at a time, and it's you know built into something really great. Right. I I get sour enough when I go from like. New England to like the south or something and I'm trying to get like fresh seafood or I'm trying to and I, I get pissed off enough when I don't have something from like just up up the coast from where I'm at let alone it, you know family bringing all these recipes and these flavors that you straight up like are not getting the right you're just not getting what you want to have out of it I would be obviously missing that hard
1: Oh, yeah, oh yeah, and people still go nuts sometimes when they when they find us or stumble upon us like when we were in downtown d c people just kind of follow their nose because they thought there's was a scent, and they I mean some you That's know cool. there's only one one really dramatic person, but it's broken to tears because it had been so long since they were able to eat a minutiae, which is the flatbread we, we specialize in
0: yeah, I get it. I mean like yeah. like we've talked a lot on the show because I come from a music background, so I'll, I'll talk to a lot of artists where like songs fuse together with nostalgic moments, and even if the song Doesn't mean anything to someone else. It could make someone cry because it's like fused with their wedding or it's fused with their like father passing or there's fused with some, some shit. I think that food is just another one of those senses where there are certain meals that like bring you back to moments. There are also certain meals that are indicative of comfort and family and events and holidays and things that. Really, really matter, and it does affect you negatively when you don't have those things, or really positively when you do have those things. So I totally, I'm, I'm a very emotional person, so maybe that's why. But I can, I can align with the person that that had some tears for a meal if it was something that was really meaningful to me. And all of a sudden, you're like, I cannot believe I finally found this. Like, I do get that.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned music because music is also like a really important part of what we do. Is we always. You know, gotta have that playlist playlist right and every detail of the environment you're creating is is so important for us and so important for people, you know. The food, the music, everything contributes to those experiences.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. You can get brands that go like we're talking like corporate stuff, but it's like when they're setting up their retail shops, they're picking like what what does this store smell like? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They're talking scents, they're talking colors, they're talking ways that people walk around a store. So that's awesome that you're opening up your first retail shop coming from a lot of this wholesale farmers market and distribution. And then you're you're opening up that brick and mortar and you're still thinking about that experience of how do we make this a thing instead of just one one thing. You know, you're not thinking linear. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And we got the you know the luxury of doing that at, at markets for five years. So we really got to learn as we as we go and refine everything. So you know that's definitely Was really beneficial for us is to just prove the concept and constantly iterate and improve.
0: Yeah. So I want to take like a step back because I feel like many awesome people, you're very modest and humble about your journey, I bet. And I want to like open up your journey to getting there because reading through your bio, like there's a lot of crazy things that you did before this thing happened. And I think that it's really cool where like if you were to read that bio without, without seeing kind of like, The whole big picture of Danny, like throughout your life, you'd be like, how the hell did this person study like sports medicine in Shanghai? And this person did this analytics job or all of these things. And now they have this thing right here. Do you want to walk through like how did this journey of like what you picked for education, what you did in that order? And then like, how did we line up to that first day of it? Sounds like this all started from. In a farmer's market, and and I guess even there, like, how did you get access to any of these things if you weren't finding them? How did this even start to get that foot in the door to turn into what it is now?
1: Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, my my path was definitely far from linear, which I think most people hope that their academic and professional journey is. And and it used to bother me that it, that it wasn't. I felt like I wasn't far enough along in certain areas, but now I'm at a place where I'm really grateful that it was so diverse and varied because. Everything's yeah. been a learning experience and has, has allowed me to, to use it in different ways now. But going back, I guess, to how I, I started, you know, in, in high school, I was really big in sports. I played football and I wrestled and I got really into weight training. And so that got me really into like performance and sports medicine, which is what I ended up doing my undergrad in. And after undergrad, I was even toying with the idea of going to medical school to make my parents proud. <laughs> you know, a doctor, an engineer or a lawyer, that's really the only way to do it. But I got the scholarship to go study in, in Shanghai, China. At the time, you know, I sat and I, and I talked to a lot of people that I trusted. And they said, you know, you, you have to at least go do it. It's a great experience. You never know what's going to come of it. And I really cherished that experience. I loved it. You know, I got to learn Mandarin, which was is really awesome. And really wow. just exp- expanded my, my worldview and, and learned so many cool things. And more than anything else, just taught me to, to get out there and like figure stuff out on your own. You know, I landed... In an airport in a country where I didn't speak a single word of the language, didn't know a single person, and you know what's the worst that's going to happen? I'll figure it out, and that's been really yeah. useful since then.
0: It's uh, a whole I'm, different situation to to do that. Like if it, people, if like people out there listening, if you have an experience like going to another country that has an entire different culture and language right. than what you're used to, and just like figuring it out, that's like it, it can be scary, but it also like there is like this freshness to that where it's just like. It just makes you act different than you. You can't. You have no like normality to the way that you would just like default. So like you just are organically yourself, figuring your way through. It's like a nice fresh take. I feel like you know.
1: Yeah, and they bring out the best in you, really. If you're if you're shy or, or timid in previous sense but you go to the, these different environments, and now you have no choice but to be outspoken and to be the leader, you know, or to put yourself in situations.
0: Yeah, and I took really one you year of Mandarin okay. in college, and I remember. Only one line that's useless. So,
1: at <laughs> least you <laughs> well, know? I remembered something. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Nihao wa bucher I think it means like what? It, do you know what that means? I think it means like you're a good teacher or something like that.
1: <laughs> I sound like you say, hello. I'm not. I'm not the teacher with a questioning oh. intonation. <laughs> <What's that? laughs>
0: I'm sure that there's a lot of questionable intonation in there. Dan. <laughs> that's right. But Chad, props to you for learning it. Like, in, I, I feel like if I, if I lived there, I honestly feel like I could have, but it yeah. probably wouldn't have been learned from writing. It would have been spoken only for me. Yeah, opinion my opinion was like law, dude. That was the only way that that was happening was pinion. I could yeah. not straight up plow through that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, my learning did not happen at a desk. It was, it was out there. It was at those late nights at a bar where you just have no choice but to speak, you know, and, it, and you just get yeah.
0: better that way. But yeah, that was really, really good experience. Yeah, sorry to, sorry to break your story man. Oh, no, I, no, like, I was like, yeah, I know what it feels like to drop into a com- a country that's very different and then all of a sudden just figure it. I love I love at least that language. I'm still so fascinated. I've got to get over there as well, but you I'm sorry to break you on that if you want. No, to you're continue. good.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so that I was there and I was enjoying it and eventually made the decision to come back to the States. My advisor was kind of like, "Hey, if you want to stay here, you know, it, it'll be great learning experience, but the degree itself might not be that useful because the US which is so far ahead in, in the education at that time. And so I, I came back and I had obviously just a completely new perspective. And so I decided to, I wanted to pursue something else. I didn't really know what at the time. So I spent a year kind of working these, these different jobs. I, I was a personal trainer for a little bit. I worked at, was like uh, the rental car place. I was a bouncer at a bar, just keeping myself busy. And it was, in a way, it was like a really dark year for me. You know, you, you kind of feel like you're just toiling away, no purpose, but, you know, eventually I decided I wanted to pursue a master, another master's degree uh, in international relations. And I did that and uh, really enjoyed the program. But then after the program, the realities of the, the job market set in. And I applied for over 300 jobs that year. And it was during that time, unsuccessfully,
0: by the way. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. Was it just like that competitive at that point for that specific job type? That's yeah, I don't know like if it was brutal. that
1: competitive or what I, what I realize now I think is when I was interviewing, I just couldn't fake my interest in those jobs. And I think yeah. maybe, maybe that was it. Um, but it was during that time that obviously I had time and we started this company. So I think it's a great like learning point to realize you might be in a situation you think sucks, but it might actually be the place where you start something that's great.
0: Right. Like at the time when you're living it, like real life, when you're waking up, it sucks. Like there's nothing you can't, fake that that happened. You're like, in real life at that point in time, in the present, you're like, this sucks. But there could be things that are happening that you could not possibly be aware of are the start of everything that you're supposed to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's, and that's, nuts. What, that's what happened. Like I found myself with the time to do all the, like, the boring administrative stuff that you need to start a business. And we had started kicking around the ideas, and, like and dropping off samples and, and getting started at the farmer's market. And then like to my luck, of course, I think like two or three months after we started, I got a job offer in New York. And it was a, it was a job I thought it was like exactly what I wanted. It was a combination of, of analytics and immigration research, which was like two of my, my really strong interest areas. Sure.
0: With the and master's love, in international yeah, and, and, and I
1: exactly. And I, and I did love the job, you know, getting to live in New York is obviously super cool. I loved it at first. I loved the work. And then slowly but surely, I think, you know, like a lot of your other guests <laughs> have seen. Something about that workplace environment just starts to get terrible. You realize you're just not in it. And it helped that, you know, at the same time, Z&Z was, was growing. And I would be taking the bus every Saturday back to D.C. I'd go work to like the farmer's market, get back on the bus, come back. It grew into a point where we were doing like events and parties. And I was Sunday night working till like 2 a.m. in D.C., getting the bus back to New York. It got to Monday
0: port- for a Monday,
1: for morning. Monday work. Yeah. 2
0: a.m. Sunday. And then you're jumping on the bus for Monday morning in New York City. How long oh, yeah. was the bus ride?
1: It was only four, four hours, four or five hours. And, I, you know, you could read or sleep or whatever. So what, but... so,
0: you would be, so at 2 a.m. you're jumping on the bus and then what, sleeping for four hours on the bus? And then you have to be at work in like an hour or two, right?
1: Yeah, I think <laughs> that started to show itself in, in maybe my work performance or my attitude towards work. But I just slowly but surely realized that I, I, was much, I would much rather be, you know, working on this than, than my job at the time.
0: Yeah, I've been there, man. All right. Wow. Okay. So I want to take a couple steps back and then we'll move forward again where what initially, cause you're, so you're, you're applying for these jobs in the middle of that time. It sounds like that's when you initially get the idea to do any of these products at all, right? This isn't happening before and you decide to start up something in the farmer's market in DC before you've lined up a job yet. Mm-hmm. What prompted that action? Because Even even for people listening out there, it may sound simple to have something in a farmer's market. Like it's not quite the same thing that it is now. But it's like that decision. That's still a lot of extra time and effort on your part. And also, so I I guess I'd like to know, like, what what prompted that at that time, other than just the spare time? Because that takes like a, a a decision, a finite decision. And also, how did you start sourcing some of these ingredients that you were having a hard time finding? what happened to start those two connections where from the outside, you wouldn't see necessarily how that developed?
1: Yeah, so really it started because me and my brothers were always up to something, trying to keep busy. I mean, when we were young, we like started a rock band. There was a brief period where I was selling like knockoff football jerseys. I used to sell my lunch to my friends and then get like the free school lunch. (laughs) (laughs) My mom wasn't happy. I love that. I thought about that. (laughs) Then we awesome. started like we started like a furniture rental company briefly in college. Then we had actually started like a Yelp for dating website in DC. And so we were in kind of like constant idea mode and that actually was picking up at the time, but we had always this itch about doing something in food because we grew up in my dad's restaurants. Yeah. And we were also approaching that phase I think as as children of immigrants where we were wanting to connect with our culture. So it's like how can we share a food that we enjoy and, You know share our love for hospitality, and so ultimately that's that's how the idea came we I think literally just the seven of us were sitting around kicking around ideas and it started actually as, as something else. we did like a cooking competition and then we just kept slowly like talking about it and over time we settled on what we wanted to do, which are these flatbreads called the Zatherman Ushe that we started doing at farmers' markets and that's really I think it was just constantly being in that kind of idea like hustling mindset that was really fertile for projects to pop out of that's and so cool. So we thought it up, I mean, I still have I think the original email I signed like tasks for everyone to try to follow up on, and then we just got it done and and one thing after another happened.
0: Wow, that's awesome, yeah, so basically, you have this vibe that you've been hustling since you were young, and it was always like a thing that you were brewing, so like there wasn't something at that time, so naturally you're like, all right, what is it and then this was just something that came as the idea of like this is what it is right now
1: yeah I, that's I mean that's pretty much how it happened, and then we like. I mean, we didn't have any kind of plan. We're just like, let's do this and see what happens.
0: Yeah, cool. So, how do we go from there? And then, and then I'll backstep a second to like the transition from the job over to this, where you're talking about those nights with New York City and, and Maryland and and all this jazz. But where do we start transitioning? I guess from farmers market. You're you're working this job in New York. You still have what is it? Your brothers and you are still doing these things at this farmers market with this. Mm-hmm down in DC, like then where is this like point uh, of movement there where you start getting from there into these other things?
1: Yeah. So over the, the course of the next year, things had just started to pick up. I think we added like another location and then we ended up doing these really huge events the uh, November, 2018. And it just really showed us the potential of what we could do. There were just like these massive weekends where we were doing really well. And we had these long lines and like, we're just having so much fun, really. And it got to the point, my, my younger brother, also, he, you know, he went to business school and then got a job at a big four accounting firm. And he was just very disenfranchised from day one. He, he just was not about it. And we both were finding ourselves more and more interested in, in making this, this business a reality. And we got to a point where it was like, okay, are we going to commit? And then, you know, I got in a little bit of <laughs> a snow day story. We're going to get the
0: secrets here on this episode.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. So that is, is my brother was working for this big four firm and they they had a snow day. Obviously, you couldn't go back, go, couldn't go into work back then. There was no remote working. So yeah. the CEO sent some emails. Said, "Oh, I know we're close today, but here's some like personal training things you can do. And my little brother was just like, This is so annoying. He replied all to the entire company of like thousands of people. Or, oh, yes. or, we, or we can just enjoy our snow day. <laughs> <laughs> he said immediately his phone was blowing up. Like partners, managers, everyone was calling. Him, like, oh just this, just,
0: my God. He's like this 22 year old kid, you know? But, oh so, God. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, Dude, I, I, I have been on, I know, I know exactly how he felt like i have been on like some calls where like i know that i'm not on mute and i straight up like like i i i palpably cannot take the bullshit sometimes and i will just respond and just be like i think that this is ineffective because i see everyone come in and none of us actually do that because we realize that it's not worth it and then we don't work on it so no one works on the project that's why you know, and sometimes I'll like say something, I'm like, oh, shit, this is actually a lot of people <laughs> that will get really mad at me because I said this and they know exactly who I am. And like, I can't do that because you can't do that when you're not working on your own. You can't just like companies don't work the same as small business or, or like a solopreneur. Or like they just don't have the speed or flexibility that we have. And so it's like when you see that and understand it from your perspective when you're already like in that headspace. Like it sounds like your brother was all always hustling with you the same way. When you when you've always seen that, it is like impalpable to like listen to it. Cause you're just like, it, it's because we're ineffective. Like we're just not good at this because we're a big lethargic crappy company. And I don't know. I, I can I I totally feel that and have felt it. I'm sure a lot of people listening to the podcast have felt that. And it's it's just so Potent. You can't explain it unless you you feel you have to have felt that to understand it. It's it's so potent. Sometimes you have that breaking point where I know he didn't choose to do like a reply all, but it's like sometimes you just you're just like you can't even think about it. You're just like I call bullshit. It's just bullshit. I don't know what to say. You know. Yeah, hundred percent. It hurts. Yeah, that's the snow day story, people. You heard it first here on the waking (laughs) up from work podcast. All right, exclusive. (laughs) So. So, all right. So now you're at two locations in this farmer's market. Things are going well and you're still moving back and forth. And then, then where do we go from there?
1: Yeah. So, you know, as as I think happens, a lot of people is, you know, your side hustle starts to interrupt with your day job. That's kind of what the case was with me, where I I actually slowly, but surely accumulated four strikes with my company. And so after the fourth strike, I said, well, four strikes, I'm not going to get fired. How am I going to get fired? But they were all work related. So one was like, you know, showing up late again after one of those late nights. Like one was, I think I left early to rush to an event on Thanksgiving Eve or something. Sure. Uh, One, I was like falling asleep in meetings, you know, because I was like up at 4am or whatever. Yeah. And then the last one, which is my personal favorite is my manager or the director at the time had this super messy desk. And so we thought it was perfect to shoot a commercial for our company. We were like doing like this, you know, spice up your sad desk lunch thing. So. <laughs>
0: me and my two brothers came in. Look how shitty like, my superiors desk looks. It is yeah, exactly. so perfect. This it's person funny. who's directly in charge of me, look how shitty they are.
1: <laughs> yeah. So we we came in on a weekend cool. and and shot a commercial there and we, I, we really liked it at the time, but little did I know it's like our head of legal was following me and she followed like the, our our business page. Next thing I knew, I was in a, in a meeting with all these people that I had never talked to, you
0: know? And oh. said
1: you got to take this down immediately. You can't film, you know, commercials in our space, yada, yada. I thought I was going to get fired that day because yeah. yeah. they were coming in hot, but I didn't. And it just, it just got more and more unpleasant to work there, which really helps me make the decision. You know, I thought it was a job I loved at first, but over time it had just become more and more apparent that I would much rather be working on my own business. And this was something that we really had a passion for. So me and my brother, Johnny, we're both like, okay, let's load up on markets this year. That was 2019. And let's, let's like see what we can make happen with this. And so we both quit our jobs. I think in March or April of that year, parents were not thrilled because they wanted us to have good, comfortable jobs, but we did it. And our lives got much more challenging, but more rewarding too.
0: Sure. Yeah. There's a couple of things out of there that I want to pull out. So I guess the first thing would be when your parents came over in the 80s you're you were talking about the restaurant portion that gets folded into your life your father had a restaurant and then you said on the weekends you guys would help out there so you were already like seeing like what it looks like to to be a small business kind of like the weekends going away or the mm-hmm. hustle and and just the extra work that you you have to do and then you know you have your parents' viewpoint on what you do for a career and what you you are pursuing do you like what? What are your thoughts on like? I have so much crazy respect, I guess, and I have so much crazy respect for immigrant parents that come over and start that alone. Anyway, because they have to hustle their ass off and do so much shit to start a whole new life, but then starting a business too. Like, but the thing that I've noticed too is that so many immigrant families are not afraid to put in the work, a and b, to like courageous enough to start a business. And I, I see a lot of things where, when I'm speaking to them, a very common trait is like this: it, are, are these things is like they 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 are very ready to work very hard and able to, and they don't complain about it, and they are fearless in the sense of like I've just got to get this done because I have to get this done, and I, I love speaking to other people that like seem to. Coherently run away from that when they're pursuing their own thing, but it's just because they were raised in a way that they didn't have to deal with that or something like that. And they just have these traits that seem to make them really successful because they have those hardships or that entrance or those like, just like when you went to Shanghai, like that reformation of like what I have to do and make happen. What would you say like through the experiences could you share between growing up with your, your father, starting his business here, working in that, Going into you know you and your brother m- into this you know you're you're educated you're you're living the American dream doing these jobs and then transitioning back into small business that's such an array of experience that is very unique to certain situations I would love to hear just your perspective going through that yeah definitely very rich and and
1: on the, on the point of my parents I mean they they hustled through this with us like they didn't want us to do it at first but they were like all right if they're gonna do this we're gonna support them and they've sacrifice yeah. so much to you know they don't necessarily have the resources that maybe you know other people might but they'll put into the work and they have with us from day one and it's been really amazing how much they've helped and and how much we appreciate that and they love they love it and then also just growing up in my dad's restaurant i think fits in because we saw he was working nine to nine seven days a week really yeah. 365 days a year you know and that was why they were like you guys got to stay away from this life it's hard it's tiring it's not necessarily rewarding but they know the, they taught us those skills. We were never afraid from hard work. No, no job is like, you know, something that you can't do. Yeah. And, and so that really helped us make that jump. We knew, you know, we could just do it.
0: And now your mama and Bubba approved. That's right. Right up. It took, a lot, it took a while, but <laughs> hey, we finally, we finally did it. And that's like, uh, I love like that you shared that. And, and I think like that's important to note for people out there where like a lot of times on this show, you'll hear me, kind of like poke out to be like, hey, if your parents, if your family, if your friends tell you that what you're doing isn't the right thing, F it and do what you want to do. You know, because yeah. like I hate when people jump on people and squish on them because they, they, they aren't comfortable with the per- what the person's doing, but that person is fully capable of it. However, I think it's like really important with exactly what you noted, where it's like, it's not coming from a place where it's like a negative place. It's because your parents worked their asses off and know what that's like, and they just want you guys to have the best life that you can have. That's why they worked so damn hard was to give you that opportunity. So they just want to make sure that you're not doing something that makes it so that things are harder or the wrong thing of what they would want for you. That's all that that's coming from, at least from the outside understanding that is is that people are are being negative to you negative towards the thing that you have decided for the thing that you want to go after a lot of almost always it's coming from a place of like, just full care of like, I just want this person to have a successful good life.
1: Yeah. It was definitely from a, from a place of love. And I I think what it like instilled in us was what I like to call like being stubbornly optimistic. (laughs) We like, we knew this wasn't going to be easy. We knew it wasn't necessarily the the smartest way to go about it, but we're going to do it. And if we have to work our ass off and we'll, we'll find a way to do it. And, right. and that's been working for us so far. And I think it works for a lot of people. Maybe their friends say, oh, I don't know if you should do this. And oh, it's going to be hard. But you know, you decide this is what I want to do. And I'm going to put in the, the hours and I'm going to find solutions to these problems. And, and I'm going to make it work out.
0: Right. And it depends on like what type of person you are. Where like you getting on that bus, sleeping for four hours, and then being in New York City and doing your job or something. It's like, you would probably do that no matter what for whatever you're trying to do. So like sometimes people look at that and they're like, man, that sounds absolutely terrible. And it really is a lot of times you're in the situation. But like what I've realized more and more about myself is just like I have, I I, I would say self-destructive tendencies, but they're overall positive for the way that I like to live my life. But it's like whenever things are just too chill and too easy, I will inherently add in something immediately that just Fs all that up, makes me uncomfortable, makes shit way harder for me throughout the day. And it's just like, If you're that type of person, that is the world that you're supposed to live in. And those discomforts and those ups and downs, it's just like what you like. It like actually is the comfort, but it doesn't look like it because doing that no sleep on a bus thing, that sounds terrible, you know? (laughs) So I understand people being like, you shouldn't do that. That is the worse, you know yeah
1: on the same way i mean i love pursuing challenge and discomfort it's like people always ask me, oh why do you always do things the hard way and i said because it's better for you in the long run you know it's just you just constantly no matter how hard this is i'm gonna do it i'm not gonna go after what's easy it just makes you you know weaker over time and it doesn't make you better as a person so this is more difficult and maybe more annoying i'll be better for it in the end
0: yeah yeah that's awesome so I guess on the four strike thing, because we talked like really briefly before the show, but then you brought it up just in your timeline like that. I didn't just get the four strikes. I did get fired from a job. Nice. Congratulations. (laughs) I have it framed here by my desk because it's just like I am proud because I'm I'm a very fireable person just because I'm trying to do the stuff that I want to do. But unfortunately, it does make it so that you don't align perfectly with normal life sometimes. You want to yeah. talk about like the, the four strikes and just like moving from that into the other thing. I'm sure so many people listening to this show are right where you are at, where they are, they are working something, they're side hustling in some way, and they're building it. And they are constantly riding that line of like, I need to make sure that I'm doing this job for this person because it's my main income stream. And also, I need to be good to the people that are... Doing things for me. Like, you know, I don't, I don't not appreciate jobs when I have them, but also I need to be true to who I am and I need to do all of these other things. But that is a difficult life. That's a different, uh, not life, but that is a difficult line to ride sometimes when you're in between those things, especially when that side hustle starts growing like you want it to. It just starts creating this push and pull. Like, I think of it as like, making like taffy or something like that, like that machine like pulls Mm -hmm. it. I feel like it just keeps pulling it farther and further. And you just ride this weird line. Like, what was that like?
1: Yeah, uh, it's definitely, definitely like that. I mean, it's not like I was, I was mailing it in at work. You know, I think I was probably working harder, taking on more work than most of my, my team. It was just, I found myself pulled in this other direction. And so it's like, yeah, I was, I was burning the candle at both ends, if you will. I was still trying my hardest at work. I still took my job very seriously. But I was showing up to office at 6am so I could put in a couple hours, you know, knocking out my personal stuff before. And then, you know, you, you rush out, you do your stuff on the nights and the weekends. But having that uncomfortable environment at work with, you know, a new manager, other people had started acting, you know, kind of brutal. to it. it makes it where work is no longer enjoyable. And I was not looking forward to it. I had really unpleasant times, you know, interacting with these people. And I think it's like you kind of alluded to earlier. I don't know, for whatever reason, the professional workplace... Brings out the worst in some people. That they behave in ways and they talk to people
0: that they would oh. never speak to someone on the street or dude. Or to... The power. The power management inside them is just toxic over and over and over again. Where it's like I feel empathetic to those people because the reason they do that is because something outside in their like full life is not right where they like need to express things where they have some type of stance in the wrong way. But like there is nothing quite more potent than like that weird weird power thing inside corporate America, where it's just like, we're all just human beings. We yeah. all have like families and friends. We all go to like barbecues and shit. We're all fully aware that we're like, not only here to just be the company is like a living body piece of coal or something in the fire. Yeah. But it's like, there's this weird play that everyone plays. And you're like, why do we do this? It's such a weird, it's so weird. It's, it's, yeah. it's impeccable. I'll
1: never understand it. But it's just like, you know, you have those moments where like, you would never speak to me like this outside of work. Like, why are you acting like this? And yeah, it just made yeah. it very easy to make the decision to leave ultimately.
0: Yeah, I totally get it. So like any advice for people out there who are like riding that line and they're like, maybe they're starting to get strikes or maybe they're just like like in between the two in like a tight spot where like they, they're seeing that growth and they're right in those, that place. Any, any advice from your experience?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I will just say that I, I do know it's very tough. I mean, I was had like a, a very mid-level salary in, in New York City. So I was living month to month and I was terrified if I was going to get fired, you know, I didn't know how I was going to pay for rent or whatever. Yeah. if I did get fired. So it's terrifying. And, and the business was obviously in very early stages. We were yet to, to take like a single dollar from the business. We were just reinvesting everything. So it's really a tough decision. And, you know, if you, if you do find yourself in that place, I think planning ahead of time, never making any rash decisions. I'm going to quit my job and just do this. You, you really got to yes. plan ahead. Save up, save up for it in, in case you do decide to quit, and then be prepared to slum it for a while because you're gonna be. Me and my brother moved in with our parents for a little bit while while we started up. Yep. Took almost no money for a while, and you just you just learn to do it. But it, it's it's not easy, man. You're working nights and weekends while people are hanging out, people are going on vacations, so it's it's not for everyone. A lot of people think, oh, it's so cool, you don't have a job, you don't have a boss, but it's not always uh, sunshine and rainbows. You know, it it pays off in the end if you if you pursue it. But the road there can definitely be hard. So think very carefully if you, if you are going to make the decision. But if you believe in it, you can definitely do it.
0: Yeah, I I have an episode. It's actually really old at this point, I think. Like first 60 episodes or something called like Don't Quit Your Day Job Kid. Because mm-hmm. I always do talk about how I, I believe that people should overall not work for... A lot of places, but there's a lot of places they should work for that are awesome places to work for too. So I'm not straight up that way. But yeah, I think I did an episode specifically on what you're saying where like it just doesn't make sense to quit in a bad way where you're like doing things brash. Like I, I just don't believe in that. I think that like A like you can always go back to things and yeah. that's like what, what goes into part of taking fear away from like making that transition because you're in good spirits there but also like any other place to get a job and the thing that you're good at you can just go back and do that cuz there's no bad blood sitting out there but be like having a plan like there's nothing wrong with being patient and like getting set up to do things as long as you'll do whatever you want to do at some point you don't get too comfy and have life creep come in and strangle you out but it's like yeah that's a really good point to make you, you don't want to end anything on bad terms there's no there's no reason to and i guess like In terms of feeling healthier about having a day job and living in that space, it actually helped me so much when I did get fired because I did have hard times for a couple months. But now it's like when you get back out of that, you just realize like how extremely temporary that is and how even if you're... Literally fired, you can just get right back on the horse again, like they're like as long as you're not bad at things, you're good at things and you're not like a you know like not doing unethical things like really bad stuff if you're just good person and and you work hard and whatever it's like. I am not afraid of like having tough conversations with people that are higher up than me in companies now because I like actually have no fear of being fired. I'm just like, I don't, I I don't want to get fired. That would be super (laughs) shitty. I'd be really frustrated with it. It would make my life way harder for like a good two to three months and stall me out from stuff that I'm trying to do right now with that capital. But at the end of the day, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, it's not going to ruin my life. It's not going to ruin. Ruin everything, and and being in a position to do that, it's just way healthier than I used to be when I was just like afraid of every text and email or anything that I could say that would be the wrong thing in front of the wrong people. It's just like you can't live like that. It's just so stressful and so like unauthentic to like living, you know?
1: Yeah, and that just destroys
0: people slowly, slowly over time. We're, yeah, like I mean, that's just no way to live, really. Yeah. So good points there. I want to. I guess like I'm I'm going to get into like a couple more things and then we're like creeping through like really fast actually. Yeah. But what was like, because I haven't traveled to China myself and I don't even know what time period you did that in terms of the whole relation to the story. I know it's before you started this business and things like that, but what would be some of your takeaways for like living and studying there versus like just the US? Like wh- what are some like key things that you saw there in that perspective that you you came back and you're like, I, I felt like I had a, a different complete perspective. What are some things that you feel like people maybe misunderstand about China or the differences and things that they, you know, you saw that they they do that are a great thing that maybe we should think about or like just the differences culturally between the two. It's just a place that I haven't been and don't understand a lot between the two. And I feel like there's a lot of fake information out there about it you know
1: yeah there there definitely is i the first thing i'll say is that china is such a huge country it's it's really impossible to paint it in one stroke i mean just it's like countries within a country you <laughs> know so i mean i can focus sure. mainly, mainly on my time in in shanghai and some of the other areas i live but the most you know i, I growing up i didn't have that much maybe knowledge or interest of, of the culture beyond you know chinese food which is obviously interesting now because food is is a portal for for so many people through our own culture as well Right, but then you know you kind of think China is this big industrial country that they're just turning out technology and, and factories, and you go and you, you know you interact with the people, and it's just the same familiar values that I grew up with. They, they really value the family. They really value food as a medium to share, like that's their love language, and so that was really cool. And then obviously, the, just like a lot of the development and innovation going there was was amazing. I mean, the, like. You can see public transportation in other countries. It just <laughs> makes you shake your head at what we got here. And they'll, you know, construction in New York's perpetually in construction. You'll see the same building have scaffolding for like five years. China, you see like building go up in like two weeks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool to, to, to see some of that stuff. And in terms of the experience, I would recommend anyone who has the opportunity to go to another country and live there to do it because you know, you really are are just starting anew. You have fresh eyes for everything. Everything's new for you. You're like a newborn again. You know, that experience is, is so valuable because you're constantly taking in you know different sim, stimuli and learning from it. And that that kind of lens
0: that you get on will be so valuable for you wherever you go. Right. I haven't done any. Like, how many? How how long was that in total, Danny? You so there? I was there for three
1: semesters, uh, which was like just over, I guess, a year and year and a half in total, something
0: like that. That's awesome. Um, That's like just enough that I feel like you really could get a lot of that. You know what I mean? That's just enough. You don't see everything in the world. Just like you were saying, like countries inside of a country, but like one year, that is a good amount of time if you're looking for it to like really see what's going on around you and not like just cruise right through. You know, the most I've had is like two or three, I think three weeks max. And it was great. And I always look to get away from the tourist areas and try to get into town and get to places where people are just chatting in a shop and and eating something somewhere and hang. But you just can't get that unless you have an experience like that. So that's such a unique, nice uh, perspective to be able to get.
1: Yeah. And if you do do it, I would say definitely avoid the going back to like avoiding comfort and pursuing difficult situations. I think so many people fall into the trap of, I'm going to hang out with other Americans and they go to the pubs and then they end up not learning a single word of the language. They don't interact with any locals. And I did, you know, the opposite, even though there were times I was sitting there for a day and I felt so uncomfortable. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know where we're going. I didn't know how to get from here to here, but I knew that I was doing the right thing because I was putting myself out there. And ultimately that that helped me, you know, develop not only language, but develop friendships and, you know, different experiences that I wouldn't have gotten if I had
0: went with the comfortable route. Yeah, that's awesome. (sharp) Completely different note here. But I wanted to talk about just because we're getting close to when I'm going to ask you like my ending questions here. It was cool to see you go from like this farmers market setup where we're essentially retail or we're like, we're, we're serving in that space. And then it sounds like a, a lot of wholesale and a lot of online sale kind of grew from those two different locations like that. And then we come full circle where it's like, you're, unless I'm wrong about it, it seems like your most recent venture and branch of this is now to own a brick and mortar storefront of it. Talk to me about like, what was it like doing that? And also like, why do we come back to brick and mortar? And and, and I would love to hear just because you have so many people out there being like, brick and mortar is going away, blah, blah, blah. blah. And, I'm, and I'm like, it's not. like the, There are things in brick and mortar that were positioned poorly for the changes that are happening right now. But brick and mortar will never go away. It, it, it just is not going to go away. There's certain things where I can't get I can get your, maybe I can get your spices online, but it's like for me, I have no effing idea how to cook with them. I want to come and see what you tell me to do and be like, Hey, like Danny, what, what do I got to do to, to make any type of food that resemble what you've made your whole life and probably smells ungodly good? You know, (laughs) like I want to come to that shop and, and, and talk to you and talk to your family and, and know what's going on. And I don't get that. And maybe that's me being like kind of an old school soul, but. Talk to me about like the logic between like, why do we do this arc that I see here? And, and I guess just that point of, of choosing that.
1: Yeah. So the, the short version is, you know, we started at the markets selling these flatbreads. People like the spices. They said, wow, yours is really good. How can we get it? So then we said, okay, let's start packaging it up and selling it to people. So then after we started packing it up, we were selling it at the markets. So we said, well, why don't we put it in a few stores? There must be more people who want to get it, but can't get it. And that slowly but surely led us to pursue Whole Foods because we thought hey, this is Whole Foods. a lot of people are shopping there. The spice now was was starting to get popular and trendy. And we thought, cool. we saw a lot of the other authors on the market and they were just abominations like they should not go by that name. They don't even have the same oh, ingredients. Sh- they taste terrible. And so for us, it was like we need to like this is urgent. We need to get ours out there so people know that this is what it's supposed to taste like.
0: And Yeah, you don't. You can't. You can't be coming into that turf and and be like you're like you're like what is this crap, right?
1: Yeah, and <laughs> the big guys like McCormick are, are doing it. And, you know, it's like oh, come on, it's like at least you you know what's supposed to be. At least put some effort into it. You know, and a lot of them they're just trying to take advantage of it being popular. And unfortunately, a lot of consumers will just buy anything, which is changing now. By the way, like, a lot of consumers are really much more educated and care about where it comes from, the quality of their flavors. And I think that trend will continue. So that led to that, an online same deal. We just wanted to get the best quality versions available for everyone, which is what, what it's always been about for us. And then the brick and mortar, I think, really hit on exactly everything you said. I don't think brick and mortar is necessarily going everywhere, but I think the way brick and mortar was done is changing significantly in terms of the labor model, in terms of having you know diversified supply chains to get products, to get stuff to your customers. And we had to go back to the brick and mortar because we wanted a, a permanent place to create those experiences with people. For us, like we didn't just get... We had opportunities to pursue a place maybe downtown, maybe with more foot traffic. And we ended up buying the exact same place my grandfather owned his first restaurant <sighs> in, ni- in 1983.
0: <laughs> Dang, dude. That is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. See, all those choices though, it's like that all goes into your brand. Right. Where it's just like it's not always the easiest. It's not always like I would say not even necessarily the right business decision if you're talking about yeah. traffic. Yeah. But like it is though, because of that drive towards authenticity and transparency and what am I really getting? It is the right long it is the right decision. But like you would see people if they just looked at an Excel sheet really quick or something like that, they'd be like, Oh, well, this is harder, or like the foot traffic or blah, blah, blah. But it's like those choices to that brand. And and to your point, I feel like the internet is just like a slow drill driving into the world of transparency and it just squishes out very slowly all the BS that we've put into the world so slowly. But the more that people can talk, the more that we can talk between other places in the world, other ways of doing things, you know, see videos instantly of people doing the wrong stuff and then... You know what I mean? All this stuff is happening. I think that that will just over and over and over again, keep driving generations as we go into just more authenticity, transparency and seeing what is it that I'm buying? Where is it coming from? And I'm going to pick the place that is a family store run by a family since 19... I don't know if you say 1908 or something like that. I'm going to go to this place. I'm not going to go to McCormick's shop right in the front street or whatever. It's just a it's a different world, man. And, and it seems like you're making the steps to live right inside it with with the old and the new. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I, I think like what we do well and the value we deliver, you can't quantify. It's that special interaction between us and the person that, that feels when they're visiting us. And that's what it's all about for us. Is, you know, if people are living more and more isolated lives. They they don't feel cared for at work. They barely see their friends, but when they come to see us, they feel like they're with friends, they're with family. They feel special. They're treated well and you can't, you know, put that in an excel sheet like you said, but but that's yeah. been what's really dri- driving us to do what we do.
0: Yeah, it's like for me right now I'm building a recording studio and it would be so much cheaper if I leased a place that was like already made for it or if I just like worked out of my house in like a normal way, but I'm like lifting a 2800 square foot barn up and pouring a foundation. It's like the most expensive way to do it it's the stupidest thing on paper (laughs) that i'm possibly doing but like i just know that it's right for the brand and the experience and like at the end of the day i'm like unwilling to compromise on like what it's supposed to be so it's like you're doing stuff and you're like sometimes even you think it's stupid you're like what the hell am i doing right (laughs) now and you're like but you know that you know you know that it's right because you've you've gone off your gut for so long and it kept working out that you're like you start to learn to trust your gut more of the decisions that you're making of like i know that it seems weird right now but like I've just been right in these situations before. And like, I'm going to do it again.
1: Yeah. I, I agree with that so much. I mean, I think sometimes it gets to the point where like, if it feels a little stupid, it probably means you're doing the right thing. And if it, feels, <laughs> if, if, it, if it feels easy, maybe, maybe something it's too easy for a reason, you know?
0: Yeah. I was listening. I don't know what I was, I think it was a podcast I was listening to the other day. This is so off topic. I promise I'll get back people, <laughs> it's okay. but it's like the, the human mind. We're like, we're the reason why we're attracted to like get rich, quick schemes, like the reason why we want that is because back when we weren't like just able to go to the grocery store and then we just got any food that we want at any time, right? When we were like hunting and gathering, it's like you had to weigh the odds of like, if I attack this like bear or I attack this like elephant or something like that, I'm like trying to get food. It's like, it's a high probability that I'm going to die. Like I, I'm, yeah. I I could really, I'm probably going to die from this, but like the reward of being able to get that and then feed The tribe for like weeks and weeks and weeks and feed everyone like immediately and stuff. That was like something that was baked into humanity of like, we need to try to get rich quick to like get the big reward. So, like, now in a modern age, that's like, it's very natural reason why we want the easy way to like get there and like be Mm -hmm. there and have it. But like, it's just not the same situation that it used to be when you're trying to get a bear to feed tribes. It's like, these businesses and like in finance and, and investing and all these things, it's not the same situation that our our old mind is is working to solve. You know, so it drives people to do funky things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Last thing, Danny, and then I'll ask you my questions just because you have a unique skill set here and I don't get to have that on the show very often is just for people out there that do anything similar to you at all. Can you just share like some quick insight of like what it was like to get some of those wholesale... Contracts for some of these things, and also your advice for going from something that's not a brick and mortar to opening a brick and mortar. I know that those are like very loaded, big questions, but do you have any advice for people out there that are pursuing it? Because I never get people on the show that do those things to give to them.
1: Yeah, the the biggest thing I think is a lot of people are afraid to start because they think I don't know anything about this. I don't have any skill or experience in this area, and and the version for us is neither did we. We had no idea what we were doing, and just the entire way we've just been figuring it out and. Especially now with the internet, you know, you can research anything, leverage like your network call, people ask them to chat, get information from them. And that's, and that's what we did, you know, for landing accounts, we know, okay, you know, we talked to friends who had done it before, you have to go to the stores, you got to go to the buyer, you got to hustle, we followed kind of the model, but put our own touch on it. And then like, you know, we did demos and, and we hustled hard. We were at Whole Foods, you know, like 10 times a week, sampling product, talking to people in between everything else, with the business. Grassroots. But, Exactly. I mean, that's how we've always done it on, on, you know, just pounding pavement. You're not going to know what you're doing until you do it. So just just go research it, try it. If you fail, who cares? Just try again. Don't be afraid to start because you don't know how to do something.
0: Yeah. Awesome. What about on the retail? Say someone's going to open retail uh, restaurant storefront first time. What's some like quick... Quick tips.
1: Yeah. Number one is plan and crunch your numbers as, as much as possible and, and prepare for the worst. I mean, equipment is going to break. You're going to find problems you don't expect. And it's going to take about 10 times as long as, as you think it was. Everyone told us this before. We said, oh, well, it's not going to happen to us. We know what we're doing. And yep, then lo and yep. behold, everything happened to us. It took twice as long, cost like twice as much, 10 times as much headache. But yeah. so just plan for that. And if it doesn't happen, be thankful that, that you were one of the lucky ones we're able to open a place without dealing with all these issues.
0: The timeline thing is like the most legit advice that you could ever give ever. Because like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people that like are hustling or like they are working to open businesses and things like that. A lot of people like us are very ambitious or driven so that like they want, they're like attacking it, right? Like you're doing the 10 times a week there. You're like doing, you're like just hammering it. So it's like you sh- you're aiming for results and it's like you have this thought sometimes because you're used to like just pushing like the the square peg through the round hole. You just like get in there and, some, and a yeah. lot of times it works, right? But it's like, sometimes you go into everything where you're like, I can just make it happen by hammering the crap out of it. And yeah. it's like, of course. sometimes you can do that and it's still so much bigger than what you could have perceived because you just haven't done it before that the timeline just keeps changing or like, you know, you could be like me and and choose to take the biggest construction renovation project of your life when material and inflation is the highest yeah. of like all human history in the past like eighty or hundred years or something like that. So yeah. it's like sometimes you can't predict it all. But like a good point that you made is just planning for the absolute worst situation possible. And if you can survive that then you should be able to survive the rest of the storms that are going to bump into you along the way, right? Plan as if the sky's going to fall and then go in there and still hammer the crap out of it and then get yeah, through.
1: Exactly. Some people make a plan and if the plan gets messed up, you know, they just break down. Oh, what am I going to do now? You know, but you just got... We went through 2020 as, as a food business in, in a pandemic where, you know, suddenly our main source of revenue became zero and we didn't shut down, you know? We were like, okay, now what are we going to do? And, and that's all you got to do is just, you know, keep getting after it and, and finding ways to make it happen.
0: Cheers to that. All right. I've got like... Six questions that I ask at the end of the, the podcast, Danny, that I ask to every single person on the show so I can kind of take 100 episodes at a time and see what a bunch of artists, entrepreneurs, and creatives say. Are you, uh, are you down for those questions? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Cool. And then we'll get out of here, my man. I appreciate All your right. time. Of course. Thank you. First question. Why do you wake up and do what you do every single day versus any other thing that you could possibly do?
1: Honestly, we we just love the feeling we get when we make people happy. And when people are able to come and enjoy this, it is is more than anything else sign that we're doing the right things When people come and they're happy and they're hanging out with friends and no one else has been able to do that. I think like we have in in this area, we've really created a place where people feel welcome and and want to come hang out. And it's not, they're not just there for an interaction, you know, or to buy something. They're there to enjoy themselves like they would be visiting
0: family. That is awesome. What would be along the way, like maybe you don't see it as a mistake because you learned something from it, but like something that you would recommend five years ago, 10 years ago, you don't do this thing on the way.
1: Oh, probably go to grad school.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like at the time, you know, it it felt
1: like the right decision. I think I was a little lost and just looking for for something to hang on to or to change. But the time and the money you invest in that, unless you're really sure or really gaining some technical skills, I mean, I imagine if I had taken the money I put into to grad school into any business, even if it was like moderately successful, it would have been ten times better investment than going to school. Hundred percent. But obviously, who knows how your your journey would have turned out if you didn't do those things?
0: Right. It's such a conundrum or quandary, like trying to. You just can't. You can't look backwards. But it's like it's an interesting. I I think about it all the time. I've done past episodes on it. It's totally one of the hardest questions to ask yourself. I think of all time for anyone that's gone to school and also an entrepreneur, you know, or alternative living. So flip side, what's like the best idea you've had along the way? Ten out of ten, five years ago, Danny, you're like, do this thing. This is the best thing ever.
1: Probably I mean, probably going to China. I, I think that wasn't an easy decision at the time. You know, I was like lined up. I got to take these class I had already signed up for like summer classes, pre-med courses, and then I decided, okay, I'm gonna drop them and pursue this. And it it led to I think a series of events and learning and development experiences that I'm really grateful for now and the friendships that have lasted and, you know, really made me grow as a person. I think I wouldn't be half the person I was if I didn't get thrown out there. I think you grow up in an environment with the same friends, the same people you get accustomed to be a a certain type of way, but when you get thrown out there and now you're just an individual with no context of background or identity, you really find out who you are and, and find the best of you.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, I love that. I, I totally get that. so what would be like if people are talking about Danny like what is your superpower as a person? not like your marvel superpower like like fake like your real superpower as a human being
1: <laughs> my my real superpower probably is my i mean I think you said like the the square peg through a round hole I will. Push and shove that thing. you will that's hammer like, that yeah. <laughs> even if it means the whole board's going to explode. I mean I'll put my head down and just just keep going after it Yeah so that's probably it like you know I love to work hard in any area, whether it's you know the, the gym or work or personal relationships, whatever. I just love getting after and getting better every day no matter no matter
0: how difficult it is and, and tirelessly I might add do <laughs> you just hammer that puppy you hammer oh, that yeah. puppy home: I oh, yeah. It. That's an important person to have on the team. You have to have the hammer. You, yeah, you know sometimes you gotta, you know, be like, hey, you're gonna tie yourself out, or like you need to stop because that's legit not going in that hole. Everyone's gotta have the hammer, man. You gotta, you gotta have that person on the team.
1: Yeah, I like to, I like to call it like the donkey work. You know, the horse maybe is this beautiful animal and it's trotting and running fast, but that donkey's just gonna keep trotting along, and I <laughs> think that's me. <laughs>
0: You know, it's not the, it's not the, you know, the, the racehorse. It's not like the stallion, but that thing's not stopping and that's getting up the mountain. That's for sure. Right. Exactly.
1: exactly.
0: (laughs) I love it, man. All right. What is a resource that you'd recommend the audience? Could be a podcast, a movie, a book, a YouTube channel, like anything. Well, and it can be off of any things that you're into, even just whatever. What's a resource you recommend to people?
1: Yeah. One resource that I like a lot that I listen to, I think if you're in this area of business is how I built this.
0: Love that. Love it.
1: Yeah, because you get to hear from, from real people. And I think getting that perspective is so much. you hear about people who struggled for 10 years or they like going through a lot of the same experiences you have as a, as a founder or an owner. What you're questioning is it's going to work, you know, living off no money, living off no free time. And then yeah. finding, finding out how these ideas were born and how, how it worked, I think, is really awesome. It can give you inspiration in times when you're feeling doubt. And then beyond that, Peter... Uh, introduced me to David Goggins, who has been like huge in terms of that, just hammering it out. You know, just you're, you're never working as hard as, as, as you think you are. So you're sitting complaining, oh, you know, I don't know if I can do this. Just go out and work harder, you know? And, and that I think it's, it's a helpful reminder, I think, in the current climate we're in, where people just want the easy way out. People yep. have forgotten how much hard work can do for you.
0: 100%. I was talking to Tony, who was on the show on an earlier episode today, and he gave me a quote And he said, problems are like a rocking chair. It's like, it's a place for you to be at. It just doesn't get you anywhere. So it's like, (laughs) it's like, it's a comfy spot to be at. Like a rocking chair is nice. And like, you can hang out there and like, it's kind of relaxing. But it's like, at the end of the day, you're not, it's not going to bring you anywhere. So you got to get off that thing at some point and go somewhere.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I like that.
0: Cool. And so for people out there who have not heard of that podcast, I will have that down in the show notes. When you're listening to this as a podcast, you can go check that one out. But that has like mega, mega corporations that you just think are like unattainable. And you have like the guy, you know, like the CEO from Toferky, I just listened to his <laughs> yeah, treehouse for seven years. And you're like, yeah. all right, maybe I've got plenty of time to like make some amazing shit happen. You know, exactly. so it, it, it's it, I love the stories. Those are I'll always listen to those when I'm in a pissy spot. And then I'll be like, all right, like this guy. You know, Lululemon's founder slept in a uh, a tent inside their store when they didn't have money for a security system. Yeah. All right. You know, like everyone, everyone's got a story and a, and a hustle, and, and things take time, and, and you can do amazing things. So it's a great show. I'll have it in there. Last one is just where do people keep up with you, Danny? Where do people keep up with Z and Z? Where are some of the like the links? And I'll put them in the show notes. But even for people that are like walking or walking a dog or on a bike or something like where do they go at to keep up with you man
1: yeah so the biggest one if they follow us on instagram is z and z dc that's z a n d z our website z and d z dc.com you can see all our products check out where our shop is follow along everything there we put out a lot of kind of funny videos too so you know check us out there and even, we're always posting stuff and always up to something so it's never boring <laughs>
0: Cool. Awesome. So Danny, thank you so much for being on, man. I appreciate your your time sharing your your story. Thank you to everyone that's been on IG, everyone that's been on Facebook. For anyone that has popped in here and you haven't heard like the whole discussion and you want to, this episode will be out in about three weeks on all podcasting platforms, or you can go to wakingupfromwork.com slash show notes. And Danny will have his own little spot where there's show notes in his Episode and everything like that. So, thank you guys for being on here. Thank you, Danny, for being on the show, man. Thank you.